Welcome to Cybersecurity Business. I'm your host, Kevin Pouchet, COO of KLogix. In our podcast, we interview CISOs and other security leaders to hear their advice about the business of information security. This podcast gives our listeners actionable takeaways to help them increase the effectiveness of their security programs. Today, we're joined by Jay Wiley, Deputy CISO and SVP at MT Bank, where he has now been for over eight years. He has many, many years of experience with not only building, but also maintaining a successful security program. In this segment, Jay is here to provide important insights on talent development and retention. Hey, Jay, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Kevin. Thank you very much. Excited to be here. So, Jay, I know you and I have recently met, but, you know, I have heard of your name as being in the biz for a very long time. You know, eight years at MT, I know you've had leadership positions at just giant organizations like the IRS, Raytheon in the U.S. Army. So, you know, when I think about talent development, retention and recruiting, I have to think that it's, it has to be a 24 by 7 job trying to do that at these behemoth companies. So I'm really looking forward to sort of your insights on this topic. But, you know, before we get ahead of ourselves, you know, why don't you give um, our listeners sort of the Reader's Digest version of your background uh, and then sort of your current role here at uh, at M&T? Yeah, so right now I am the deputy CISO at uh, M&T Bank, and we've carved out that role to basically split the duties where where we're legally allowed, right? So mm-hmm. I, I can do, you know, whatever the boss can do up to a point, you know, as, again, as long as we're, I'm legally allowed to do it, whether that's, you know, make decisions on our security posture or, you know, uh, designing systems or approving exceptions to standards, whatever the case may be. So we really try to split that load so that we have sort of a two-headed monster, if you will, able to 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 cover the duty. Because as most of our listeners and, and those CISOs out there will know, there's way too much work for one person to do that. So we're blessed to have, you know, my boss and myself in, in what amounts to the CISO role and to be able to cover the work that's required. I got here by way of the IRS and uh, my boss at the IRS moved to the bank and then brought me up with with him at, you know, at some time after he had left. And so, you know, as the uh, senior advisor to to the CISO at the IRS, you know, handled a lot of technical projects around cybersecurity. Uh, before that, I, I worked at Raytheon as a senior security manager, defense contract, you know, in in the information protection space, in the classified space. And that was a direct result of my military career being an intelligence officer. And again, that was in that classified intelligence space, which really is the precursor to cybersecurity and information security you know, which started, whatever, late 90s, early 2000s. Well, we were doing that in the militaries, you know, for eons from, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, what what have you. Well, I have to think that sort of the state of hiring in cybersecurity now is vastly different than it was in the late 90s and the early 2000s. So what's your take on the current state? You know, I hear, you always hear these stats that there are a million open jobs within cybersecurity and sort of I tend to believe it. What? How, how do you see things and what do you think the current state is? I would agree. I, I think there, uh, there are a lot of openings or, or vast underemployment, yet mm-hmm. it seems par- paradoxical that uh, we aren't really having 
particular problems hiring, right? You know, you see that there are some notable layoffs in, in the spaces from, from larger companies, and that opens up the candidate availability. And then, you know, we've expanded our geography recently with a merger and acquisition. So by being able to expand that geography, not only within our footprint, but across the nation, um, we don't seem to be having that much of a problem, paradoxically, as I said. I, I do think that there are bigger issues on the higher end, though. Like if you try to hire a you, Kevin, or a me, that's a different story than, you know, getting talent coming in uh, through your uh, talent pipelines. So you mentioned tapping into different geographies, using sort of acquisitions to grow your team. At, on the flip side of that, right, because of the post-COVID culture of people being accustomed to work from home, I have to think organizations now who are all over the planet are essentially trying to A, hire the same resources you are, and B, trying to take some of your resources. So is are you seeing that as a challenge as well as a benefit? Yeah, it is, you know, it is a two-sided uh two sides of the same coin. But um, being able to take a look at our job portfolio mm -hmm. and what we do is we've looked at it based on, you know, factors that matter to us, right? You could have a very uh, high touch job, meaning coordination with a lot of people. You could have a high collaboration job, whether that's like software development on an agile team or, you know, the most basic is a customer facing role at the bank. And so we've categorized our positions based on that. And so we have uh, jobs that, you know, you must be in or you should be in person. We have jobs that you can perform from home. And then there's other jobs that we ca categorize as, as hybrid. And so by giving, interweaving that flexibility into it, we don't have such a problem, you know, whether that's geography or if we want to hire in our footprint, et cetera. With, so within those job categories you mentioned, do you look for different key personality traits or skills? Yeah, I think that, you know, number one, you've got to have, a, to me, you've got to have a defender mentality, right? I come from the military, mm -hmm. right? I, yep. I defended, and, you know, you can think first responders, you, you whatever, whatever that defender mentality means to you. But to me, right, you've got to get in there and want to protect things. You've got to want to protect our customers, our, our shareholders, right, and our employees. The other thing that's really key in cybersecurity to me, I think it's fairly obvious, is the problem solving. You've got to mm -hmm. be a, a hard-charging problem solver. I think a couple sort of non-technical traits that I look for uh, is a sense of humor. I, I think that you know we, we go to battle every single day, and if you're not able to to sort of you know let off some steam and and have a joke every once in a while, you know, and have some humor interjected into your environment, uh, that that is important. I think the last thing, and I'll mention this, uh, for those of you who have seen the internship many years ago, uh, they have what they call the layover test. And it's like, you know, would you want to be stuck in an airport for six hours at a layover with this individual? So, you know, that's <laughs> that speaks to fitting with the team, right? Being a part of the team and being a good fit. And so those are the kind of the traits that I look for when hiring. I love that. I think we will start incorporating that in our thought process. <laughs> Um, so talk to me a little bit about interns. Have you taken the strategy of bringing interns on and then molding interns and then keeping interns and turning them into full-time employees? 
Oh, absolutely. Right. Interns, okay. uh, bringing interns in and, and developing them into employees is is critical, right? It is. Because okay. I, I, I alert, you know, I alluded to it earlier, right? That on the on the high end, you know, finding a Kevin or a Jay can be can be difficult and it can be costly. But when you are growing your team from, say, all the way from back at an intern when they're a junior or a rising, uh, you know, a rising sophomore in college, all the way through their graduation, and now you've you've tried them out. You know what they're capable of. They have tried you out, and they know that you know they want to work in your company. And then you get them started, and you get into the other development aspects of that and career progression. And that's, I think, how you really grow and maintain a, a healthy team. So speaking of bringing young people on, I, and I know this tends to be a very polarizing question in our business, and that's what are your thoughts on um, requiring a college degree to bring cybersecurity people onto the team? Should people require a college degree? Should they be lifting that barrier? I, we require that in a lot of our positions, uh, you know, formally in the job description. Yet we also make allowances for practical experience. So we might say this position needs a associate's degree or two years of practical experience in the field. Mm. And, you know, you can make that, 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 that equivalency, whatever you would like. I guess the short answer would be you really shouldn't have to require that, provided mm -hmm. that they have the practical experience. Okay. I think that's a pragmatic approach. Now, once these people are are on, whether they're, you know, young cybersecurity professionals and this is their first or even second job, or if they're interns, uh, do you have a mentor program for these young cyber professionals? Is, is that important? Yeah, it really is because you've got to be able to um, match those younger uh, employees up with people who have the experience in the field so that they can guide them along, right? A lot of questions are, okay, what job should I do next? What should I be training for? If I want to be the next CISO someday, you know, what do I need to look at? What certifications might I need to uh, obtain, you know, for my, for this role or, or for future roles? So, yeah, we have a formal uh, mentorship program that we set up uh, between uh, experienced people and, and the younger people coming in. But we also have informal things, whether mm -hmm. that's, you know, uh, taking uh, lunchtime and, and sitting down with people and you go around the organization and you just sort of sync up with, we had like a list of one to, at one time, it was like 85 people and you would match up and meet for lunch once a month and, you know, go through that entire list. And so that's also a way to, to mentor people and bring them along is meet people from other parts of the organization and get their perspective on things as well. Well, to me, that also speaks to culture, right? So, Talk talk about that for a little bit. This is so this are the two things that are going on in my mind right now. Number one is turnover. I'm curious if you've been at any of your roles been faced uh, with battling high turnover because it's something that is definitely rampant in our business. And sort of the second part of that turnover question is does culture matter? And I, I think it does when it comes to retention. Um but I want to hear your thoughts as somebody that has had many, many people and such large teams to try to retain. You're always going to have, I think you're always going to have some level of turnover and sometimes it is higher, you know, it's cyclical and you can lose 
key people. Uh, right now, in fact, we're faced with losing two people, two people that we kind of consider, you know, top performers and, and uh, critical members of our team. So there is a natural sort of reaction, right? Sort of, I guess I would call it a negative reaction. You know, you sign to go take a deep breath in and go, oh my gosh, I cannot believe that we're losing person X. But really, I learned a long time ago in the military is that, you know, you need to always be training your replacement. That's the phrase I use. I'm training my replacement so that we're attacking this, this turnover position all the time continuously from the beginning so that the next person is ready to step up and then you don't have such a great loss and the next person has the opportunity to step up and for, perform. I think it's the NFL, uh, you know, the National Football League that says, you know, next person up or whatever the phrases they use, but it's that kind of phrase that we need to be preparing for and preparing our teams of as leaders. Now, culture goes right to, to the heart of that. In fact, mm. uh, you know, I am here as a result of the culture, the stated culture of the bank. My boss, as I said, from the IRS, brought me to the bank. And one of the things he told me about was the culture of this organization. And because he and I were already aligned that way, and in terms of our values and thinking, the culture here at the bank made sense to him and it made sense to me to come up here. So it is very key. And and I think people are looking for that, right? They're looking for, for cultures that mirror their own sort of values and goals and desires. And that's where they want to come to flourish. And part of that, I think, is offering additional opportunities. You know, you mentioned when people leave, you're giving the opportunity for people to step up, which I think is is really important. How about offering uh, uh, educational opportunities for employees? Is that important? What what should organizations be focused on when it comes to additional opportunities for their cyber professionals? Yeah, I think a lot of people feel like they're they're hesitant to invest in continuous development for their employees because right. you you hear, right? Hey, I'm going to train this person with skill X and then they're going to leave. They're going to leave. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, but that's the cost of, that's sort of the cost of doing business. If you have, you know, if you're doing all these myriads of things to, to nurture and treat your employees well, generally speaking, a large portion will, you know, be satisfied. They will be quote unquote loyal. I, I hate to use that term, but you know, they're They're going to have some, some skin in the game as well. And they're not necessarily going to want to just take off at the next opportunity, but you know, you, there, there are multiple delivery methods for learning, right? Whether that's on-site in-house training, it can be, there's multiple online providers, you know, O'Reilly has this and you know, Cybex has that, you know, not just to mention a few, not to mm -hmm. necessarily um, recommend those, but there's, all, you know, you can provide these subscriptions for self-paced training. We do lunch and learns, we do TED Talks, all these kind of things that go from formal to informal to make sure that we're keeping our people engaged and keeping their skills current. So there's one question that I think rides parallel to everything we're talking about right now and i know it's probably on a lot of people's minds in that like how important is pay because when it because when there are a million open jobs there's always going to be an opportunity out there that pays more and you know those of us that have been around we know that you know this the grass is always greener um, mentality is a tough trap to not fall into. 
Um, so in your experience, wh- where does where does pay rank in terms of people's willingness to take a job or stay at a job? I think I, I look at it as it's sort of like table stakes, if you pardon the pun, uh, pay mm-hmm. is, right? Every, it's important to everybody and it needs to be on the table. And, you know, and, and that's that. Um, I think right. there are also opportunities where somebody comes in and says, hey, you know, you're making $25 an hour. I'll give you $10,000 an hour. And you're like, well, I'd be dumb to pass that up. Right. So, <laughs> you know, right. you can't you can't combat those kind of things. But I think if you go back to uh, giving people a good fit, giving them a good culture, uh, giving them an entire package tying that package to performance, not just some sort of arbitrary, hey, here's 25 extra dollars, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. When you're building that kind of culture, chances are, again, they're probably not going to leave. And I think if you think about the old adage is that people don't really leave companies, they leave leaders or managers, yeah. right? That doesn't right. really talk about pay. That talks about me as a leader and how I'm developing the entire um, environment. Yeah, well said. So the business we're in is, is, is we talked about how much it's changed since right the late 90s, 2000, but it's, it's changing and, and, and growing drastically, right, every year, even though we're sort of in maybe arguably in a recession, I, I think our industry is still uh, growing despite that. You know, if you look three, four, five years down the road, is, is this going to become a bigger problem or do we think it's going to become less of a problem? What what are your thoughts for the future? I think the building blocks around talent and talent retention and talent development are going to remain the same, right? And we've talked about Mm -hmm. several of those, whether that's training, whether that's career path, whether that's culture, uh, compensation and other investments in the employees. I think those building blocks remain the same. I think what's going to change over the, the next two to three years, if you will, are the skills that are required, right? that are always constantly changing landscape and threat environment. When you talk about everybody is now sort of eyeing the cloud and moving to the cloud, different set of skills, you know, that you have to have mm-hmm. to protect things out in that uh, out in that environment. You have advancements in technology, like if you will accept the term artificial intelligence or even quantum computing, to be able to have the skills to know what's going on there and how to protect can can require a, a lot more upskilling, a lot more training. And so I think that's where the difficulty is going to be around the skills, not so much the, the building blocks, because I think those remain the same. So let me ask you this. So I, I like to end with uh, a similar question each time, and this doesn't necessarily have to do with talent development, retention, and hiring, but it could. Um, so someone like yourself who has been in our industry for a long time as a leader, what piece of advice would you give to sort of other aspiring CISOs or aspiring deputy CISOs that you've you've really learned over the years? Yeah, that's a daunting question from from my perspective, right? To, <laughs> to try to, you know, try to tell uh, other folks, hey, you know, here's here's a great clue. But I, I think I, I talked about it a little bit earlier and that is build a, as great a team as you can, right? Train them up, get them ready for the next job, get them ready to be the next person up. And if you build that team as great as you can and then just let them 
to their devices, right? And give them the, the reins and say, you know, go off and do, do, do what we've trained you to do, do what we expect you to do. That's going to be the thing that keeps you in the best stead going forward. We talked about losing people, but then you've got people coming up. We've got people right. taking other jobs, you know, because it's way more cash and you can't compete with that, but you're showing mm-hmm. them the career path and everything. So I would say build as great a team as you can. And that's my uh, advice for others. Well, look, I think you've taken a very complex topic and something that most companies are struggling with right now, and you've sort of made it look easy. So, you know, kudos to you. I think your organization is is lucky to have you at the helm. You know, thanks for, well, thanks for your service. You served a long time in the Army, and, and thanks for coming on this podcast. I think I think people are really going to enjoy it. I appreciate that. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. I, I I appreciate the opportunity as well to hopefully, you know, just give insights into uh, what we're doing and some of the successes we're having. And, you know, hopefully then others can sort of mimic or copy those. Yeah, you certainly have. And for listeners, if anybody has any further questions, uh, you know, you can reach out to us directly at info at com or directly on our LinkedIn page. And, you know, you can certainly listen to this podcast in its entirety, as well as others at killogics.com, killogicsecurity.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again, Jay. That was uh, really fun. Thanks, Kevin. I, I enjoyed it. 